Hello again, and welcome back to the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast, a podcast about good coffee and better people. These are my favorite episodes to release because you get a little bit of a deeper appreciation for um, the work that goes into our highlight series. This is a really fun project that we created um, because it not only allows us to learn about the really great coffee that exists in the capital region and beyond, um, but it allows us to share what we learn with you. And uh, I think it also allows you to get an idea about the human beings behind the coffees that are available um, that you either decide to, you know, try through us or go out and seek out on your own. Um, I think one of the most important things that we can take away from these types of conversations is that the people involved put their heart and their soul into the craft um, and that we very often will take something like coffee for granted as a commodity, as a given, as something that's always there and readily available. But um, Sam Bender, the co-founder of Peaks Coffee Company in Syracuse, New York, is uh, the brilliant human being that we get to talk to today. This episode was recorded a few weeks back now, um, right around the time we were finishing up this highlight roast. We hadn't yet cupped the coffee in its final form, and you could tell just the excitement was in Kevin's voice. Um, I was traveling out of town and wasn't able to be a part of this podcast and you know that you know these are kind of my favorite things to do so I was a little bummed but it was really great to hear it back uh, on the on the back end and get to hear it for myself as a listener as I'm editing so um, I really hope you enjoy this again Sam Bender co-founder of Peaks Coffee Company. He collabed with us on this really amazing washed Colombian coffee grown by German Andres Guapaz in the Acevedo town um, in the region of Huila, Colombia. We're selling it for $19, and as always, it comes with that postcard uh, with a brief overview of the coffee and what makes it special. And it's got that QR code that you can scan and it'll bring you to a page on the website only available to um, purchasers of the Highlight Roast. Um, It's just got an extensive summary of the region, of the the producer, of the kind of coffee, and of course the roaster. And as always, we appreciate any feedback you give us. So yeah, uh, without further ado, please enjoy this conversation that Kevin has with Sam Bender, co-founder of Peaks Coffee Company. just started wanting to fly fish with me so i am tying up a box of flies for him oh my gosh so hence hence why i'm pulling double duty yeah so you're okay so you what does you've been fly fishing for a while so uh yeah so i've been an avid outdoors person basically since i was born there's you can find videos of me like childhood videos um swinging a stick on the on the like side of a creek pretending to be my dad fly fishing and um, oh my gosh when basically i have four blood siblings and a fifth sibling that's not blood related but Mm -hmm. is um and all all of the blood related siblings when we were old enough to hold our head up we were in dad's backpack fishing with him oh my gosh I've been fishing since I was basically a baby, but I've been fly fishing since I was 12 and I've only really recently started getting back into it because it's something to do that doesn't involve coffee. Yeah. And, and you do a lot of coffee. 
I do a lot of cough. So uh, for the sake of those listening, um, we always ask this question the first time we interview someone. Sometimes we'll ask it a couple times. Um, who are you? How are you? And what do you do? <laughs> well, hello, everyone. My name is Sam Bender, and I am one of the owners of Peaks Coffee Company. And I am the head of the wholesale department. Um, I am doing wonderful today. I just got off a little coffee date with my wife which is the first one we've had in about eight months that's awesome <laughs> we both work opposite schedules which is fine oh. um what was the last question uh how are you and what do you do i mean that's i think i think you covered it all you're sa- yeah you're doing well you had a nice uh coffee day and you you run wholesale and you're one of the owners of peaks coffee who's the other owner of peaks coffee the other owner is my wife kelsey bender and Kelsey Bender does what for Peaks? Kelsey is the head of the retail program. So she manages our cafe and all the staff that works here at the cafe and all the events mm-hmm. we do there. Wow. So that has given you guys opposite schedules because she's at the cafe earlier in the day or later in the day? So the cafe is open Wednesday through Sunday and mm-hmm. the roast operates Monday through Friday. So she basically works Wednesday through Sunday, and I work Monday through Friday. Which gives you guys like Sunday base. Well, some t- some time on Sunday, or n- not even ever. Not usually, not a whole day. We usually get afternoon, but we're used to it. It's not really a you know a, a nightmare. No. Well, that's good. It's, you guys obviously, you know, I mean, running a business together, you there's a lot of time that you're probably spending talking about. Not only, you know, yourselves, but also like what's going on with the business and, you know, how Peaks is doing and what your next steps are, right? Correct. That's cool. That's like a that's like a built in, you know, team building exercise for a relationship. <laughs> uh, yeah, but if my other business friends that know at a certain point, you got to stop at five o'clock. We're done. Oh, good. Oh, so you guys um, you mean stop like. No more shop talk. Everything else is off the table. We're just going home. We're having dinner. That's it. Yep, that's it. Oh, that's good. There's lately very few times where it goes past that. It took a while. Yeah? Yeah. Now it's easy. So when did you guys open Peaks Coffee? The official opening day was October 3rd of 2015. That was the official opening date. We had been... Roasting, learning how to roast, and kind of selling out of our garage to like friends and F and F, you know, friends and family. Yeah. Since March or April of that year, I think. Okay. Yeah, I was still in school when we first started. Oh, nice. What were you in school for? I was going to be a nurse. Oh, just out of like simple curiosity, did you finish school for nursing? Um, so I was a nurse to be a pediatric nurse and I was also a soccer coach, um, for a very long time because I love, I love soccer. Unfortunately, one of the children that I coached was one of the people I was taking care of. His name was Griffin and he ended up passing away, um, brain cancer at, I believe he was at the time six or seven. That's so sad. So I knew their family really, really, really well. Like very, very well. Yeah. yeah. I'd coached him for four years. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of my last draw. I can't do it. Um, but the amazing thing that's come out of it, I guess I guess you can leave it in the podcast. This is fine. Okay. For that are out there. Sorry yeah. that I was weird. Um no, that's okay. I mean, with something that's that has that much emotion attached to it, I can see where you know you might not necessarily want to share that with people, like because that's that's a heavy thing to talk about. Yeah, and like I knew me really well, and it just was a really hard experience to watch, both from like the nursing aspect, like knowing what was going on. Yeah, from like the coaching aspect, like seeing his cousins and like everything, like you know, at, cl- yeah. at classes. I was like, ah, 
it sucked. Yeah. But um, after just seeing there was a lot of things that happened when I was working in peds that were just not. It just wasn't for me. But the positive thing that kind of came out of it was um, Peaks actually supports Griffin's Guardians, which is was created by Griffin's mom as a support group and a way to um, give money to parents that are in need. Oh, um, nice. So they started Griffin's Guardians. It's a great organization. And I don't know if you saw the Ruse Blend that we had a little while back. Yes. So we actually help Ruse's parents. Ruse's parents live really close to us. Oh. Uh, Guardians help them as well. That's awesome, dude. So Ruse's parents are about five minutes away from my apartment. Yeah. So we'll pop over and we've like helped set up like a meal program for them. And we're just kind of trying to be, you know, a little bit of respite in just a absolutely crazy time even though that all happened we're still connected with griffin's guardians which is just like i mean it's a in a, like a the smallest sense of a word, word to win yeah no that's that's awesome dude i mean that it's really great of you to take an experience like that that can help you know affect like that can help shape the way that you view the world and then you know do something positive with it continuing on even with you know you're not in nursing but you're still helping you know, so that's awesome. I mean, con- like, congrats and thanks, man, for being, you know, one of the people and putting good into the world. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so, so you opened Peaks in 2015. Had you, and you had been roasting in early 2015, around March time, you were saying, had you been in coffee before? Had you been into it for a while? Like, what brought you into the realm of like, roasting and then thinking hey we should just have a shop and do that full time yeah so i've actually been working in coffee for um a couple of years and same thing with kelsey mm-hmm. not a couple of years maybe only a year and a half a year um and kelsey probably been working it for maybe two two and a half okay a little longer so for those of you that don't know, Peaks' backstory is a lot to do with mental health. Um, mm-hmm. We want to use coffee as a catalyst to meet people in their peaks and valleys. Um, and that phrase, peaks and valleys, actually came from Kelsey's dad. Mm-hmm. So um, back when Kelsey was in high school, she actually had uh, her anxiety was really bad she was placed on homebound learning um and it was kind of she used to actually tell herself like i'm gonna go to a coffee shop and i'm gonna go get coffee and i'm just gonna like i'm just gonna leave and then i'm gonna go to a coffee shop and i'm gonna go get coffee and i'm gonna sit for one minute and then i'll leave um and kind of build up to a place where she felt comfortable being in coffee shops because of the sense of community and that nobody was there to kind of judge her for, oh. for her anxiety and how she was feeling. Nice. Um, so I've also suffered from anxiety and depression my whole life, but uh, anxiety was not as bad as Kelsey. Um, I never was placed on like home on learning. I never kind of had that experience. I kind of always have just like worked through it because I'm a guy and we don't talk about our feelings. We just muscle them through. <laughs> what we do. Um, yeah. Which, folks, that's a terrible way to live your life. Yeah. Agreed. So we we met at Starbucks because that was the only place that had Wi-Fi. Okay. My parents bought a new house and we didn't have any Wi-Fi. And when you're in school, you need Wi-Fi. Yeah, you do. Especially nowadays because everything is online. Um, so that's how we met. We started connecting. And I remember like one random night while I was studying over at her house, she was like, I one day want to own a coffee shop. And like, it was the first time she ever voiced an opinion about something she wanted to do with her future. And I was like, wow. Okay. And then, um, we took this little trip out to Rochester, New York and had some coffee. Um, back then Rochester's coffee game was an entirely different world than Syracuse's coffee game. Yeah. And for my friends in Syracuse listening, sorry. Where'd you go, by the way? Uh, Glen Edith and Ugly Duck. 
And Fuego. Okay. Fuego, Ugly Duck, Glen Edith, and Joe Bean. I think we actually hit everybody. Are you into Joe Bean too? I think we hit everybody. Nice. I went to um, school in Brockport. So there were, yeah, there were a couple other coffee shops that were bumping around in like 2009 when I was in college. But uh, yeah, no, Rochester's always had some pretty good coffee. Yeah. So again, yeah. sorry, Syracuse folks. We are so far behind. You have no idea. <laughs> well, you're catching up. You, you've got some peaks on the horizon, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, We've, Kelsey and I have luckily actually had the opportunity to traverse the United part of the United States for coffee. Oh, that's awesome! It was pretty fun, but but long story short, we just I just one day was like, I'm gonna buy some green coffee and just like see what happens. <laughs> Wait, did you have a roaster, or were you like, I'm just gonna see what happens? <laughs> first, the first, the first ever peak coffee roast. Okay. It was, was a cast iron pan. Oh my a, god. And a big green egg smoker. Yep. And let me tell you what. How was it? Absolute trash. <laughs> absolute undrinkable trash. Oh, that's great though. It was it was absolutely disgusting. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was just it was like I can't even describe to you how bad it was cuz it was like also half smoked because like of a, it was on a smoker like a yeah <laughs> <laughs> did you drink it anyway or did you like taste oh, yeah, it and you're like i have to trash. figure this out <laughs> it was absolute trash <laughs> that's great though but but from there kelsey was like i think i want to do this and i was like well okay what do i have to, like right you know we were young we were 19 21 yeah what do we have to lose yeah. You know, not much at that age. I mean, yeah, if you, you stumble, you can still pick yourself back up pretty easily in your 20s and figure out a career and stuff. We always joke that we're so glad we didn't do this when we were in our 50s and 60s, because if we tried, we'd be like, this is just a terrible idea. Yeah. So we just were like, all right, let's just pull the trigger. So we, my father in law made this little contraption to put on a like it was basically what looked like a little rotisserie you put on a grill okay you actually could like turn the grill on like a gas grill okay and you could roast like a hundred grams in about 10 minutes whoa was, uh, that's how we started learning that's pretty good Yep, you had to literally constantly turn the handle that keeps the beans from scorching on one side but so you're just constantly cranking a handle for 10 minutes on a grill in your garage, roasting coffee. Outside in the middle of winter. Oh, my God. You could do it, though. Yeah, it was like a MacGyvered, uh, you know, roasting apparatus. It was, it was wonderful. Dude, that's great. So what, what was the first good roast that you had? We, we know what the first roast you had was. What was, the, what was the first time you roasted a coffee and you were like, Oh, yeah, that's good. Do you remember what it was? I do. So we decided to do like do the thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Open, try to open a business. Okay. Because, again, we were literal children. Like if, Yeah, 19 and 20. If we got a couple thousand dollars in debt, whatever. Like, you know, it's just like, whatever. We're 19 and 20. We have our whole lives to dig it out. I'm not a top 100, so folks that are listening out there, I did, we did this with scraps. Oh, yeah. Well, at 19 and 20, that's what you can get together, right? Typically is like some scraps. Literally. So. Sorry that I just whistled. No, it's okay. It's all It's all good. I, I want people to know that like whistling does come along with fly fishing, right? It's like it's proper ambiance for it. It's proper, it's proper ambiance. And for folks out there that actually fly fish are listening to this, I'm tying parachute atoms. <laughs> Yeah, I've been watching. You're like, are you lighting the ends of some of them with like a little torch? It's a UV light. Oh, it's a UV light. So there's a little cure that you can do to seal things. Really? Oh, that's interesting. All right, so hold on. So let's get back on track. This roast, what was the first good roast that you had where you're like, okay, we, we can do this? In March of 2015, 
we found I remember the day I was on break during clinical. Okay. And we were like, we're, we decided to do it. Yeah. Craigslist. And I found a 1913 U.S. Royal Roaster number four. Which I okay. Think I, I think I sent a photo to the group of it. Please do. I think I think I did. But I'll resend it. Beautiful okay. old cast iron. Um intricate and ornate old roaster mm-hmm. that was connected to 120 volts of power and had open gas flame beneath it. <laughs> it was $4,500. Okay. And I was like, why not? Now, where am I going to get $4,500 from? <laughs> and where did you get $4,500 from? Funny story. So we're getting this going mm-hmm. and I was like, this is probably a great option to just kind of get us going because it's like, you can do 20 pounds at a time. That's a lot of coffee compared to yeah. what um, And somehow Kelsey's grandparents grandparents had left her money. We didn't know about it. And okay. we, her mother wanted to actually save it for when we decided to buy a house. Ah. We, were, we, were, we were getting pretty serious at that point. We, you know, we were we had already talked about like getting married and things like that. Yeah. And Kelsey's mom sat us down. She goes, "So I didn't want to tell you guys this because I wanted you to do it for your save it for your house." She was like, "But your grandpa left you money. He left you forty four. I think it was like ninety nine and thirty three cents." Oh my god! I mean, just shy of the forty. And my mother-in-law goes, "I'm going to chip in the remaining, like, you know, couple of pennies here." Yeah, sixty-seven cents. <laughs> literally, so we're like, "Oh, that's weird." <laughs> but we literally we contacted the guy. He was like, "Yep, it's still for sale. You can come down and try it out if you want to." And we said, "Sure." We drove down to New Jersey, tried it out, paid him forty-five hundred bucks, drove home with it, and. Basically, the next day, I roasted this Bolivian coffee. Never had Bolivian coffee before. I found some random place online that you could buy, like, five pounds of it. Which, at the time, like, five pounds was, like, freaking expensive. Yeah. I'm used to buying, you know, one-pound samples. Yeah. So, five pounds, you're like, oh, I'm really, really pushing it on this. I'm I'm pushing it a little bit. I was like, (laughs) that's a lot of money. Um, but we bought it and I just remember it being like chocolate covered almonds. Oh yeah. Okay. I was like, this is weird. It was definitely the first time I had coffee. I was like, Ooh, that tastes like, that tastes good. It was super delicious. And not only that, you roasted it. So. I did. That was definitely one of those experiences like that, you know, you can't really replicate again. Cause it was like the first time, like it came in like this cute little, like five pound burlap sack. Oh my God. Coffee name on it. I don't even remember the coffee name. I just remember it's from Bolivia. This is great. It was like, it was just like an entirely different experience from getting, you know, one pound little samples in to your roaster to, you know, your roastery to roast on a grill. Yeah. And then just bump it up and you got the five pound sample. What's, uh, if if you don't mind, could you guesstimate how many pounds a week do you typically go through now, just for comparison's sake? Anywhere from five hundred to almost a thousand. Yeah, dude, and that's like it's so funny. Like the the shift from I was roasting a pound at a time in my garage to twenty twenty one, going through about a thousand pounds of coffee a week between wholesale and retail. I had an opportunity to talk with a uh, potential larger wholesale partner this past week. And while I was talking, I said, you know, I I just got to laugh for a second. And I I explained to them, I was like, when we first opened our cafe, we used to pray to make 50 bucks a day. And I said, and now I'm on a phone call with, with a very, you know, a potential big wholesale partner. And I said, you know, I just said, it's just funny and I, I'm grateful for the opportunity. And that, that was it. It was just like one of those things you get reminded, you're like, right, way back in the day, I used to be like, 50 bucks, 50 bucks. Yeah. Now you're like, you're on the phone, you're like, you're like, 
Like, whew. I have to share this with you. How funny this feels. It was just one of those things. I was like, look, like, you know, I don't normally do this, but I'm just kind of, I'm just laughing. I'm like, I've laughed for myself for 20 minutes right now. And I just got That's up, awesome. You know, and it's, it's yeah. nice to connect with a shared experience with people like, yeah, I know what that, you know, I, I remember when we used to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, yeah, it's scary, but it's fun. So when you guys opened up, X, Y, and Z for you was probably pretty like simple, bare bones structure. You know, like you had, you were roasting, you had the cafe, you came up with a schedule for it. Did you, um, did you have a plan to do like a, a single origin coffee program when you opened or were you just kind of like, all right, let's see what our community's into. So when we first opened, Kelsey and I both worked. So mm-hmm. I had a job. Kelsey had a job. I was in school. Oh. Kelsey had a full-time job. The cafe was only open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Wow. No, Friday, Saturday. Okay. So you had two days a week. Um, we only roasted single origin coffee because okay. I was a loser back then and thought blends were stupid. Uh, <laughs> and for folks out there, there's nothing wrong with just roasting single origin coffee. No. Blends are also just super fun. So we had, I think, three or four different types of coffee that we roasted when we first opened. So in Ethiopia, we were the first roaster in Syracuse that I'm aware of. So nobody come swinging a bat at my head later. Um, (laughs) Colombian coffee, I think most people just had avoided it because of its negative connotation for not being specialty. But we loved Colombian coffee. We absolutely loved it. And we have roasted. We've almost had a Colombian coffee in our program year round since we opened. I mean, the the continual investment in a coffee region only helps to up the quality that you're seeing in the region because, I mean, that's just how investments work. Have you noticed over the years that you've enjoyed Colombian coffee even more? Yeah, um, so we work really closely with Daniel from Campesino Specialty Coffee. Okay. They are based out of Medellin, um, and we have bought from them almost since we opened. Daniel does absolutely incredible coffee. Um, He has, and he's at a point now where he's big enough that he can buy from so many different people. I think in the span of us working with him, he's gone from maybe having five or six different producers to having more than I can count because if their coffee doesn't quite reach, you know, single origin specialty standards, he has a community blend Mm -hmm. called Madre Laura that we buy as much of as we can. Um, And I know there's other roasters in the United States that buy quite a bit of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And we use it as one of our blend components. And that's great absolutely delicious and it's very consistent so i think that's a really interesting conversation for people to realize that um every coffee has a place Mm -hmm. no matter if it's in your roastery or somebody else's roastery but every coffee still has its place yeah i think uh opening up our our own perspectives to the fact that like people of different regions just have different preferences in coffee to begin with, you know, on top of the fact that every single palate is different. That's, that's, that can be only beneficial for us as a coffee community and as coffee professionals. Do you have any pictures of you with, I know you've been to origin. Was that with Camposino? Yes. Yes. So those, those pictures that I've seen, that uh, we could post of you on the website are at with Camposino Coffee. That's that's on a trip to go visit them specifically. Correct. Um, we went and visit that visited them in 2017. So we went just about two years after opening. We closed the roastery for a week, but the cafe remained open because at that point we were we were full time, like we were five or six days a week. Um, and we went down there and it it wasn't one of those like life-changing experiences per se like i've seen you know like i kind of knew what i was yeah. getting to it was more eye-opening in like you 
who have a better understanding of what each what goes into um, each part of it. And I have a friend of mine that works for Ceremony Coffee Roasters. Oh yeah, okay. She grew up in Syracuse. Good friend of mine. Her name's Ashley. We always joke, you know, it's five hundred hands. Five hundred people that touch that coffee before you even see it. The saying is five years, five hundred hands. It takes a long time to grow one cup of coffee. Um, and that's one reason some coffees cost what they do. Yeah, I think um that's probably you know, a lot of people have expressed that and I think the the thing that I've realized about you know long term coffee professionals is that uh they recognize that more as a piece of their personal perspective and you know part of their modus operandi is you know they see the 500 hands in their head you know we ha- they have that diagram like you have that diagram you, you know you even you said it's like a little bit of a joke because sometimes you're like wow i can't believe 500 hands touch this i mean um felicity from superior mentioned you know how she thinks about that. And that's something that Matt and I often talk about too, is like, there are a lot of people who are touching that coffee before it gets to you because we don't grow it here. It's a luxury commodity for us. We celebrate it, but we can't grow it at all. <laughs> yeah. And we have, um, there's a video on the Peaks website. If you go to, I have to type it in because I don't remember. If you go to wholesale on our mm-hmm. website, and go to interested in wholesale. Mm-hmm. We actually have a one minute video or two minute video that a friend of mine made for us with my absolutely terrible trash, absolutely terrible trash camera. <laughs> I was, we were really poor at the time. It was what I had. You make what you can. So it's not, look, it's not the greatest quality, but it shows you a very interesting perspective. And at the end, you'll see a little snippet of a older gentleman Going dolce, um, and it's the first time he's actually ever had the coffee grown on his farm. Oh, roasted by another roaster, um, with like crafter and you know cupping and making sure everything is checked out with it. But because most of the time they keep you know the really bad coffee, they keep the absolute worst of the coffee because they need to sell the good stuff to make a living. To make a living, yeah. right? I mean. So we brought down some of his coffee just to showcase it to him really quick. And he was shocked. He was like, I, I didn't know it could taste like this. And I was yeah. like, well, I bet you're welcome. But like, you're, you know, thank you for growing this and selling it to me, first off. Secondly, this is what people on my side of the, you know, the other side of the bar at kind of the final end of this chain get to taste. Yeah. And he was thrilled. It was great fun to share it with him. That's awesome. So he, he like took a sip of coffee that he grew, not knowing what people were drinking, you know, like what, what he had done and how people could react to it. And then he finally had a chance to react to it himself. That's pretty awesome. So in some ways it was a life changing trip, but maybe just not for you, for him. Like, I mean, there are there are parts of it that I will, I will never forget. Yeah, like, there's a photo that I sent of me standing in a field of dos mil, which is a yes. variety of coffee, and it's absolutely downpouring. And that was just like one of the coolest things to just be standing in the Andes Mountains. Oh yeah, abs- like I brought a very good rain jacket, and I was. Soaking wet. Oh my god! Three minutes before that, it was a hundred degrees and bright and sunny. So microclimate. Yeah, microclimate for sure. If you could, like, for me, for people listening, what what is something that's been an experience for you in coffee? What is a moment? What is a memory that you have that was a life changing or perspective shifting, altering experience for you? Um, I don't think there was any major ones. I think, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is as a owner of a business, you go through a lot of things that 
people, whether they're guests or staff, don't realize. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the best thing that ever happened was the pandemic um, in, a, in a terrible way, because I know there were terrible things that happened to so many different businesses mm-hmm. and people. And I, I recognize that we just happened to have had sort of the ability to take a breather. They've been going, I mean, at that point for almost five years, nonstop. Yeah. It's exhausting. Um, and we were able to take a step back and rethink and revisit our mission and revisit our values mm. and redo so many things that we hadn't done before. And because of that, we've come out on this end of the pandemic because it's, it's not over, but it's over. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, in such a better mindset um, with a little more clarity and uh, a profitable business. Well, and th- that that shift in mindset, you know, that shift in work pattern is probably huge. And granted, like, look, I will never, I will never not unsee the sight of like seeing the Andes Mountains for the first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like that was just absolutely stellar like eating your first coffee cherry in Colombia, like those are moments mm. you can't forget but like game changing moments for the business it was definitely this past year past year and a half which yeah. is horrible and great at the same time yeah well okay a couple final questions for you um one Today specifically, what's in your mug? What what did you have uh, on your coffee date? I had a Nola, New Orleans iced coffee. So okay, that's technically, I would say the per, the the company that brought it to light, and that today is a full rip off. I will not lie. Okay, um, it's Blue Bottle Coffee. So Kels and I went. This is before Peaks opened. We went to the New York Coffee Fest. They just you know. Went to New York City, first time in New York City. Um, and it was it was great. We loved it. And on the way out, we saw the blue bottle table and they had these little milk cartons that said New Orleans iced coffee. And we're like, oh, that looks interesting. And we had um six hour train ride back home. I think it was six mm-hmm. hours. Grabbed two of them. We got to the train, had some work to do, and I opened it. So good. Oh yeah. It was just like it was incredible. It it's all it is is it's roasted chicory root. Yep. That's what I was gonna ask. <laughs> yeah, roasted chicory root, coffee, and milk. And yep. I don't drink it that often because I'm usually just drink straight black coffee. I'm I'm pretty boring. Like give me a black you know, give me an espresso, give me just a regular black coffee or an iced coffee. Mm-hmm. But this morning I was like, New Orleans sounds so good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> It was wonderful. It was absolutely delicious. I actually, I just had uh, some iced coffee. I took some cold brew concentrate that I had and a little bit of water and some ice. And then I, I never have creamer in my coffee, but I had oat milk creamer in it this morning. You can do it once in a while. Once in a while, man. You got you got to reach out. And you know what? I'll be honest. It was good. Like I, you know, I I would do that again. But I think it's because I came back down off of that. I, I I was actually, I was on a peak right before I talked to you. I was like, that's a good idea. Go to a peak and then talk to Sam from Peaks. Um, and I, I was like, oh, I need something more than just water and bean juice this morning. <laughs> Where'd you end up hiking? Uh, so we have this really awesome mountain near us called Buck Mountain. And... It's right on the eastern side of Lake George, and when you get to the top, it overlooks an area over here called Bolton Landing, the town. Have you ever been there, heard of it? Really nice area. You're like just at the beginning of the Adirondacks proper. Like right as you're leaving Lake George, you'll see a sign that says you are now entering the Adirondacks, and then like you get to the Adirondack Park another, I want to say like 40 minutes north, but... 
you're in an area that has really nice mountains. Like um, there's the Tongue Mountain Range, and then there's like the Lake George 12, which incorporates some of those, and Buck Mountain's one of them. Buck Mountain's probably like the most popular of all of them. It's like, I think, I want to say it's like two and a half miles to three miles to the top. So it's nothing like too crazy. A couple big steep parts. Um, and I've done it probably a hundred times, but it's, it's just good. And it's a really rewarding view. And so Brandy, my girlfriend and I took her dog out, uh, and we were like, well, let's get him, let's get him a little run and we'll get a little workout in, in the morning. And then we'll do everything that we want to do for the day. It's great. Yeah. And she's, she's good. She's like, um, she'll run up the mountain with me, which is a lot of fun. Cause it, it's not often that you come across people who want to run up. Uh, all right, last question. I think it's the most important question. What's your jam? What have you been listening to uh, lately? What are you digging? It doesn't have to be a new artist. It could be a classic, whatever. Like, what's what do you listen to music-wise? So I'm pretty all over the board. There's, there's been an album that has come out that I have to look up the name of the album because I always forget it. So... John Foreman, if you don't know who John Foreman, he is the lead singer of Switchfoot. Oh, yeah. He just released, he likes to do acoustic music, so he just released an album called Departures. And that has been my go-to album for the past two weeks now. Okay. So if I'm, if I'm roasting, if I'm chilling at home, and I need some music, that's probably what's being turned on. Yeah. So it's the main singer-songwriter from Switchfoot, the popular band of most most known early 2000s fame. Oh, yeah. That and, awesome, the, that and the band Camino, if anybody knows who they are, love them. The name is ringing a bell for me, but I'm not going to pretend that I'm. I it strikes any particular chord right now. <laughs> like, it's the full name is the band Camino, right? And Camino, Kelsey. Yeah. Kelsey actually um, was the one that introduced them to me, and I love them. They've got a little bit of like a bluesy American rock feel, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And the older, so like when I was younger, I used to love hardcore music. Oh, same. The Still. older I get, I'm like, I just, I, I need, I need some of the little, little. <laughs> like, I can't, like, my, my neck can't handle any more headbang. Oh yeah, that yeah, that definitely happens. Um, that's cool, man. I actually, for me, the new Tyler the Creator album dropped two days ago, and it's been on constant repeat for me. I'm just a huge fan of his work. I've never gotten into it. He's He's grown a ton as an artist and like this album has like it has like a it has like an oboe in the beginning and then there's like flute solos and it's the first time I've heard Lil Wayne rap in a long time so like I, I the, vibe with the oboe. Yeah, oh it it's it's in the first track, man. It's real interesting. Tyler's a really good um I I would I would almost say like composer. Because when you're making a rap song, you're not so much playing a guitar and coming up with like, you know, verse chorus or like how that that's working. You're actually taking a bunch of different sounds and you're composing them in a way that creates a cohesive motif. Yeah, I used, I used to be involved heavily in music. Oh, yeah? Yes. What did you play? Um, guitar, bass, uh, saxophone, drum. What? Piano a little bit dude oh no everyone knows now that's <laughs> that's out now see now people are going to be calling you they're going to be like where where's your music where can i find it does it exist anything that recorded has been destroyed oh my gosh in in a blaze of glory or <laughs> um in a blaze of remove them from the <laughs> Yeah, the lead file. <laughs> sort of the trash. Yeah. What was your favorite instrument that you played? Bass. Oh, Bass. Nice. And, oh, I love and like I I I regret selling my bass, but I needed money for peaks. <gasps> Had to make the sacrifice. Uh was it a good bass? What what bass was it? What was the model? Dean um 
I can't remember the exact model. It was made by Dean. It was a bright orange, Ooh. black frets. It looks yep. so, so sick. Um, and I had to do it. Which which cornerstone of Peaks Coffee did the selling of that base help to build? Grinder. Oh, I mean, fair trade on that, for sure. <laughs> you need a good grinder, man. We needed it, and so like I got, I think I got like four or five hundred bucks out of it. And I was like, "Well, this is it." There you go. Oh my god, that's a that is, that's great. That's capping off this this whole conversation. I love that, dude. That's such a huge thing. Is like you know, especially for like anybody starting a business, for anybody like getting into that beginning phase is like sacrifice of time but then sometimes sacrifice of like potential interest you know and on top of that too like we have a fr- i have a friend of mine that um he wants to start like an agricultural business good friend oh, of mine. great and i was and he was like you know i want to grow all these unique things and i was like carrots i said that's great that you want to grow wasabi like do it i believe in you yeah if you're not growing the simple things that every person is going to put on their dinner table every single day you're not doing it. That's why, like, if you look at the cash flow for Peaks, yep, 80% of what we sell wholesale is blends. Wow. 80%. Do, do you think it's because people, like, they just, they see the word blend and it's more approachable? That plus it's cheaper. Ah, because you're using blending components rather than higher end single origin coffee. And there's like, look, we had that Ecuador. Yeah. That Ecuador was, by the time it was roasted and put in a bag, around nine or $10 a pound. Wow. Most people can't afford that. No. Right? You or I, who has made coffee a large portion of their life, mm-hmm. pull the trigger. Yeah. Right? But mm-hmm. average person. Hence so Mountain Climber, for example, is sixteen dollars per twelve ounce bag. We wanted somebody to be able to afford a bag of coffee on roughly one hour's wage. We sell more mountain climber than you can possibly imagine. Well, not only that, I mean that's a nice name. I'm sure people love having that in the morning. They're like, it's from Peaks Coffee, it's called Mountain Climber, we're gonna go hiking. And it, it just it, fits. It has existed since maybe uh, a year after we opened. Damn. Our biggest selling coffee since its release. So, would you say that a piece of advice you'd give to anybody who's getting into roasting or owning a business in coffee is find a staple that's approachable and easy to buy for a consumer? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like we have, I mean, well, look, we have folks coming into our cafe. We have folks coming into our cafe that they're only, they're going to walk in. They're not even going to look at the coffee. They're going to grab the one with the blue label, which is mountain climber, because that's what they've always drank. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, no, awesome. You are not only, you know, you're supporting a staff, you're supporting small business owners, you're supporting local economy and you're drinking a coffee that you enjoy awesome yep. amazing and then there are folks like um my friend jonas mm-hmm. who has been coming to peak since like day one and he is like what is the craziest wildest coffee that you all have i don't care what it costs yeah i want i don't care i want yep. and like we try to keep our coffees as you know affordable as possible the Ecuador, even being its price, I think we only sold for twenty-two bucks. Okay. Because we were like, you know, you know what, you know what? Most of our money, most of our income, number one, comes from wholesale. Number two, we'll make we'll make a fine margin at twenty-two dollars. Yeah. I don't need to make ninety percent back on a bag. No. Twenty-two bucks is fine. Well, that's good. That's very like that's modest of you. Yeah. The same thing with this coffee that we're going to release for you guys, like. The price point is roughly five bucks. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the same thing. It's probably going to be like a twenty-ish, eighteen to twenty-dollar retail bag. Yep. Not crazy. 
It's nope. more expensive. Yeah. Is it going to be worth it? Yes. Well, <laughs> we let people be the judge of that, but we hope so. <laughs> like, that's, that's the purpose of doing that. If you don't like it, I'll be sad because my staff bought it. Oh, dude, I'm honestly. So you're yeah, you're you're you ended up you let your staff pick this out. And this, this is the coffee that we're going with. So this is really kind of an expression of like a staff favorite. Yeah, um, it was the first time we had a staff cupping. And it was also because I work alone in the roastery for the most part. Mallory, mm-hmm. our staff members, has been actually starting to like branch out and help me a bit which is wonderful and lovely i love having another human in my building yeah and it was just one of those things i was like i have 26 coffees a cup and i don't feel like doing it by myself so i texted our staff and i was like look i know i know we're still in a a pandemic is anybody comfortable doing this because if you are like i'd absolutely love for you guys to taste these Mm -hmm. and decide and it's, it's wonderful coffee. I'm, I just got it to the roastery Friday. So I haven't well, been roasted yet. I am looking forward to having that coffee. Um, uh, Sam, where can people find you? So you can find us in a couple of places. Um, you can find us online at www.peakscoffeeco.com. Um, we ship any orders over $30 for free just because we want to get folks good coffee at a good price. That's a great deal. And it's like just, just about two bags last two weeks. Yeah. Um, you can find us at wholesale partners all across the region. Um, if you're in the Boston area, we have plenty of wholesales in first Boston, mm-hmm. not anybody out West. We leave that. We leave the West for Matt. <laughs> so Matt when Matt listens to this, love you buddy. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you can also find us at our cafe, which is 1200 East Genesee Street, Syracuse, New York. Right. There Wednesday through Sunday, um, usually seven to three on weekdays and then eight to three on weekends. Um, and Monday and Tuesday were closed because it gives our staff two built-in days off, which everybody needs. Yes. Agreed. Well, Awesome. Sam, thanks, man. Um, I'm I'm gonna be talking to you. I'm sure before the end of the day, anyway. But uh, but thanks for making the time for us. Thanks for recording this. We're gonna be putting this up on the Highlight Roast uh, website page, and it's just it's great to have this experience for people. I think it's one of the more novel things that we've been able to add to the coffee experience for the Upstate Coffee Collective. And if anybody in the public has more questions, you can email me. Um, as long as you don't email me a thousand times because I do have to- <laughs> <laughs>